I'm Carson Horn, and it's Friday at 11, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Well, it is not Friday at 11, but we are talking tumors here on Weagle 91.1. Thank you all for tuning in either by podcast or or, uh, live today on a Thursday at noon is actually when we are recording this. But a lot has happened in Auburn over this last week. There's a lot of excitement back uh, around Auburn, around Auburn sports, around Auburn football. Of course, Auburn basketball got started this past Monday night, so we've got a ton to dive into today, and I'm very much looking forward to talking about all of it. But we're going to start recapping last Saturday's game. And yes, while it ended in a loss, there was a lot of positive that came out of it. I'm not one typically to to go for moral victories, but if there ever was a time to do so, it was uh, because of last Saturday's result against Mississippi State. Auburn came away with a loss. It was an absolute battle. Ended up going to overtime. Auburn gave it all they had. Those players left everything out there on the field uh, for the university, for themselves, for Coach Cadillac. It was an amazing effort to see uh, after the tumultuous week that happened with Brian Harson's firing and uh, multiple uh, other coaches being fired as well. The offensive coaches, man, there's a picture, you know, picture of Will Friend on the sideline just searching through plays using uh, Eric Keesaw's play script and trying to come up with plays based on, you know, Coach Keesaw's script there. So he doesn't even know exactly where everything is on there. You know, Ike Hillier doing the same, trying to help out uh, Will Friend with that situation. Man, the coaches poured everything they had into it. You know, Cadillac talked about the staff being up there into the wee hours of the night last week. They did everything they could to put the team in the best position to win, and they laid it out all out on the line. In the end, though, there's some things that, of course, I think Cadillac going to look back on and say, man, I wish I coached that differently, and he said that. He said, loss is on me. I, I, I should have done some things differently, and that's true. He should have, but again, he that was his first game as a head coach. There should be mistakes. If there's not mistakes, then, then something's up. You're not being aggressive enough. You're not being bold enough. You know, he went for it. Uh, a couple times on fourth down, went for it. I think maybe on own twenty five one time. You know, may, that may be something that that, that he he regrets a, l- a little bit, as well as the the fact that and didn't take points a couple times in some situations where he could have that. But again, in that moment, in those times that those things were called, the game seemed to be slipping away from Auburn. Auburn was down big in those moments. They needed some momentum, and again, you truly are playing with nothing to lose. So I, I'm not going to hold those calls against him. It'll be interesting though to see. Um, what kind of what he the decisions he's going to make in those situations this this weekend because you're back at home with the crowd with you and because of last week. If I'm him, I'm still coaching aggressively. I, I don't change that because again, nothing has changed as far as the fact that you have nothing to lose. There's just a difference between being aggressive and dumb. And I think that he felt maybe that he he kind of crossed that line into uh, more the the dumb side there. But that's all right. Again, like I said, first game. As a head coach, I thought he did tremendous. The players played extremely hard for him. You know, Derek Hall, I think it was Derek Hall after the game, said, you know, we loved Coach Harson, but you know, we can't deny that there was there was a new energy. And these players played with the new energy, and they gave it everything they had. 
And so I was uh, I was pumped to see that for them. I was uh, glad that they played hard, and I know they are looking forward uh, to getting to play in Jordan Hare Stadium uh, this Saturday night. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But as far as what happened in this game against Mississippi State, so. Go down big. It, it's a rough start. It, I was like, oh boy. Like, yes, there's a lot of energy on the sideline, but man, it was brutal. Offense couldn't do anything, um, and defense looked like they had no answers. I mean, it was bang, touchdown, bang, touchdown, bang, touchdown. And I was like, wow. Like, this, this could be a long night. I don't know how the defense is going to be able to stop them. Um, but went into halftime, and man, came out, made adjustments on both sides of the ball adjustments yeah something that uh, I think Brian Harson may have forgotten how to do um, that was that was great to see I, look I've been hard on Jeff Schmetting again he was the only Harson guy to survive but he did an excellent job uh, I, I tip my hat off to him for the adjustments that he made in the second half and really slowed down that Mississippi State attack and they didn't have answers in the second half so great job again it just looked like I was like there's no way this is gonna be a blowout there's no way and figure some things out got things going running the football. Again, the key is no you know, play discipline. The sovereign team has not played discipline really all year. Playing clean football and finally did that a little bit in the second half and had some success. Um had over two hundred and fifty yards rushing. That is a really, really good night on the ground. Look, only about seventy yards passing. Robbie Ashford uh, certainly missed some throws, easy throws, check down some like three just easy, you know, little passes to Tank Bigsby that he missed. He missed wide open Chad Jackson at one point. Those are plays that he can make. He is better than that, and I hope that he, you know, he he knows it. And while he's not the not one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC, you know, you, he can make those throws, and he knows that. Uh, so that kind of hurt Auburn a little bit, especially with that the the Chad Jackson when he was wide open. It looked like Robbie saw him. I guess he didn't, or if he he did, maybe he didn't think he could make the throw. I'm not sure what uh, happened in, in that instance, but, you know, those were some of the keys we talked about as far as big plays go. That would have been a huge play, uh, I think it maybe was in the first half, uh, that would have gotten that comeback rolling a little bit sooner uh, in the game. But, man, you know, you go to halftime, and it it, it it was looking rough, but, you know, Cadillac said in his, you know, post-game um, a halftime interview with Cole Kubelik down on uh, ESPN's coverage, you know, we're going to fight. Uh, he said, somebody's going to quit, it's not going to be us, and Boy, if that was ever true, they didn't quit. They fought. They came back and uh, forced it to overtime and just weren't able to come up with the the win in OT. But but it was a battle, and it, it was good to see that positivity around the program. And um, nobody nobody was disappointed. Again, Cadillac said at the beginning of the week, you know, win, lose, or draw, we're going to give it all that we have. We're going to make Auburn fans proud. And, and the team did exactly that. And so that's, that's what I'm proud of. Yes, again, there are things that, had they gone differently, um, Auburn should uh, could have won the game again. Auburn dominated the turnover margins like for the first time like, all season. Just dominated. But if you if you go and look at the the t- turnover discrepancy, you'd be like, okay, Auburn definitely won this game. They didn't, but that is a positive. It was also a positive. I really liked the defensive rotation. I don't know if it's just because you're at the point where you had nothing to lose, or Brian Harson with the one that was anti. Um, rotations defensively my guess is it had little to do with Cadillac and more with Jeff Schmetting and the other defensive staffers that decided to rotate more again play multiple different linebackers really rotated that D-line I've said all along I thought the problem with Auburn's defense against the run this season was not because Auburn didn't have the players it was because the players were just getting worn down and and I believe that to be true and um 
I felt like that was proved a little bit by the rotations uh, defensively in this game. Of course, Jeffrey Imba, man, goes out there and makes a beautiful strip sack. Uh, that was great, great to see uh, for him. So th- those are some of the things I, I liked uh, defensively. Again, same same thing offensively. You had a lot of different guys play, a lot of young guys play. If you can keep some of their red shirts, do it. But also guys who are, you know, that you need to play, play them. You know, don't, uh, don't not play them because, you know, because of the red shirt, red shirt situation, uh, if you need them to a chance to win this week and and going forward for these last three games, but overall now it was a, a uh, solid opening for the uh, interim head coach Cadillac Williams, and now he'll turn the page to Texas A and M. So, what is the latest on the Auburn coaching search? Before we we uh, jump into some some other things and talk about this Texas A and M game this week. Not much seems to have changed in this past week based on what uh, I've read regarding uh, the the coaching search again. Because all the candidates you're pretty much looking at, minus maybe Matt Rule, are still coaching. They still are in their season, so you're not going to get communication with them at the moment. That doesn't mean things aren't being discussed behind the scenes. It's just going through agents right now. And so even if there is somebody they pretty much got locked down, you're probably not going to hear about it. But I don't think that's necessarily the case. You saw uh, John Cohen's press conference this week. Um, that was absolutely incredible. He he did a phenomenal job. He certainly you hear the phrase when the press conference. Well, he certainly he certainly did that. Now again, that doesn't necessarily mean anything on whether or not he'll be a successful AD or not. But it certainly gives you a lot more confidence when somebody you know comes out there and and speaks like he did and talked about Auburn. And again, we talked about how the question he would be asked, well, why leave Mississippi State? He explained that it was the things you know we've discussed on here about the resources, the chance to compete for championships year in, year in and year out. He turned the the Jabba um, phrase on its head, and that was absolutely incredible. I talked a couple weeks ago on here about how I hated that phrase that it's a negative mindset, and uh, I, I feel like Auburn fans need to be done with it. And he certainly turned it into something positive. He said Auburn being Auburn is you know. I'm paraphrasing, but talked about all the great players that come through Auburn, uh, you know, the national championships, the Heisman's, the you know, he he talked about all those things, and so he certainly did his research. If he didn't know some of those things already, and that was quite impressive. And you go ahead and, and trying to leave his mark and or make his mark on this athletic department and this university really, really quick. So I loved that from him. I thought that was great um, energy and excitement that he brought. In that press conference, but I say all that to get to the point that he also held up a sheet of over 50 things that he's looking for in a head coach. So I do not think he 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 knows who exactly he wants yet. He's gonna they're gonna talk to tons of candidates. They're gonna talk to candidates who they're really not that serious about. I mean, I would not be surprised if if he talked to as many coaches and nearly as on the sheet of uh, things he's looking at in a coach. So, but again, there's only gonna be a few. Coaches where discussions really get kind of serious. And maybe one, if you land on the right person and you know this is who you want. The expectation is the number one candidate is Lane Kiffin. We don't know that for sure. That's just what's being uh, reported by many, and many believe that to be the case. I would not be surprised if that's the case, but we don't we don't know that for sure. Again, we talked about some other can- uh, candidates. Um, as far as the Dan Landing, that's probably the biggest uh, revelation of this past week. He came out and, you know, denied any interest in leaving Oregon. There's some people still don't believe him, think it was, you know, just a whole show. Uh, he seemed pretty emphatic to me, and, and I believe him. And I said and I said 
last week. I just I, I wouldn't leave Oregon for Auburn. And and look, I I'm an Auburn guy. I love Auburn. I think Auburn's one of the best jobs in the country. But Oregon's a great job as well. And you get to stay out in Pac-12, stay away from Alabama, stay away from Georgia every year, and have a much better shot to get into the playoffs and to win a national championship than having to go through the gauntlet of the SEC. And you're getting UC, USC out of there because they're heading to the Big Ten here soon. So, I mean, the Pac-12 is yours. And so, as a coach, it's a lot easier to be up there and uh, do what you get, accomplish what you want to get accomplished than it is at Auburn. Now, he, maybe he's lying. If he is, then the, the truth will be, well, he really just wants to be in, in the South. So, I'm not sure what the um, case is with, with Dan Lanning. My personal belief is that he will stay at Oregon. I, I don't see him coming. Uh, to take the Auburn job, but that's really kind of the the biggest thing. You're still hearing the same na- uh, names that we discussed uh, last week, as far as Hugh Freeze, Lane Kiffin, uh, Matt Rule, um, some 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 guys like that, Deion Sanders. Um, so not a ton of updates as far uh, as far as I know, anyways, based on what I what I've read this past week on the on the coaching search. So with that, we'll end this first segment here. Uh, after the break, we'll come back here and we'll talk a little bit about Auburn basketball. Uh, obviously, they opened up their season this past Monday, so we'll we'll dive into that game and preview their game that's coming up tomorrow night. We'll be right back. Fire threatens everything in its path. When it threatens our nation... Welcome back to Talking Tumors now here on Weagle 91.1. So talking a little Auburn basketball now... Auburn uh, got a win against George Mason on Monday night in their opener. I was covering the game uh, for Weagle. Uh, if you haven't checked out my article, I love you uh, did so on, on WeagleFN.com. You can see uh, the title of it is Auburn's Defense Leads the Way on Opening Night, and that's exactly uh, what occurred. Uh, Auburn had a uh, ended up, they covered in the game, won, won by around uh, a little over 15 uh, I believe, and Bruce Pearl actually said that was important because of the the new way of um, teams getting into the NCAA tournament now. They actually, uh, how much you win by is actually an, an important stat, which I think is incredibly dumb. Uh, I totally believe if you win the game, you win a game. That's what should matter. The record, uh, obviously who you play should matter, but the amount you win by is irrelevant in my opinion. A win's a win. So I don't necessarily like that, but it's the case. And so, I mean, again, Bruce Pearl's not going to do anything that's going to put his team at a disadvantage. And so he's doing what he can to get his team uh, into the NCAA tournament. And so it was big. They won by 15. But overall, man, to start the game, Auburn got off to a great start. And this one very hot. The defense was suffocating the whole night. Uh, It was very impressive. Auburn's defense last year was very, very good, and it seems like this this, this year's defense is going to pick up exactly where last year's defense le- uh, left off, and they may end up being even better. You know, we talked about Walker Kessler and how great of a rim protector he was. Well, Janai Broom, Dylan Cardwell uh, combined for nine blocks in this game, uh, so they picked up right, well, uh, right where Kessler left off. The guards, man, they were locked down. The George Mason Patriot, uh, Patriot players could not get open looks at all turnovers tons of turnovers uh, I want to say 16 
uh, forced turnovers by Auburn in, 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 in this game defensively. I mean, the shot discrepancy was around 2-1 to one as far as the shots that um, Auburn was able to get up compared to, to George Mason. So in, in that aspect, if Auburn's defense can play like this throughout the season, which, again, you're going to face better teams, better a- a- athletes, but George Mason's no slouch. You're in the A-10. That's not a bad basketball conference whatsoever. Uh, this this defense can play like this. This Auburn team's going to have a chance to be really good. On the flip side, Auburn did not shoot well in this game at all, really from anywhere. They're 4 for 25 from 3, and only 62% uh, from the charity strike in this one. That has to improve. Uh, again, we talked about it in a preview of the season. Uh, I've talked about it, how the, the coaches know that shooting has got to improve. It really went to a tailspin is what caused kind of well, what not only cause, but a, a major cause of why this team, you know, struggled and kind of faded towards the end of the season, got beat out in the round of 32 last year, uh, was because of shooting. So they know that's got to improve, but they also know they're going to rely on their defense. You rely on your strength, and your strength is your defense to continue to play that way, continue to get turnovers. Turnovers lead to easy points a lot of the times, so take advantage of that. While also, again, continuing to work on the shooting. They're, they're getting good looks. They just got to knock them down, and they know that. Look, Katie Johnson said after the game and you know, in the post-game presser, they're not panicking. Uh, Bruce Pearl reiterated that, that he wasn't concerned about it. Obviously, it will be a concern if it continues, but it's one game. Uh, I think they'll be fine. They uh, is not going to, I'll say this, it's not going to, if the shooting doesn't improve, it won't be because of a lack of effort. A lack of effort. These guys are in the arena day in and day out. They're putting up shots. I see them when I'm, I go and work out in the mornings. That's not a flex for me. I'm just referencing when I see these guys. I see them going into the arena before the sun comes up, uh, you know, when it's still dark outside, and they are working and they are um, doing everything they can uh, to improve and be the best team that they can be and to to try to defend their SEC championship that they got uh, last year. So, look, I'm looking forward to watching this team improve and go forward. It was good. The jungle was absolutely rocking. Monday night, and I know it's going to be the same tomorrow night. I, I cannot wait. I won't be covering the game tomorrow night. I will be in the student section for that one. So, uh, looking forward to that as well. So, let's talk about this matchup. Auburn's going to be taking on South Florida. South Florida lost their first game against a a weak opponent. It was not a good loss for them. Um, they're, I believe their roster though is better. And then maybe how they looked and performed in this first game. Last year, Auburn went down to South Florida, probably one of the ugliest games of the year, um, barely won. It was the third or fourth game of the season, whereas it's only going to be second game tomorrow night. But the, they barely won it. Uh, Zepp Jasper led the, and, and KD kind of led the charge. Jabari probably had one of his worst games of the season down there last year. Um, Zep had 12, and I think KD had 12 in that game. It was kind of where we saw a little bit of a spark of, like, okay, Zep's actually a, you know, he's a pretty good shooter uh, in this game. USF played, had a really good defensive team last year, and that's true again this year. So I would not be surprised if this game was lower scoring. But with that being said, I thought South Florida's uh, staff did a great job in the transfer portal, brought in some guys who can shoot and can score the basketball. Brought in Keyshawn Bryant from South Carolina. I looked to see if he had played really much against Auburn last year because Auburn played South Carolina twice last season. He really didn't, maybe a minute or two in each game. Uh, They got a point guard, Tyler Harris from Memphis, who they are very, very high on. He's a career 40% three-point shooter. He went 0 for 8 
in uh, their first game, which is, again, probably another reason they lost uh, that game. I, I would be surprised that that continued. If you're a 40% three-point shooter, you're not going to shoot 0 for 8 again. So I would fully expect him to shoot better. And they got a, a guard transfer, Selton Miguel from Kansas State. So, look, this roster looks a lot different uh, than it did last uh, from last year. In fact, USF's two, two leading scorers from last year's game against Auburn are both gone. Uh, so I'm not putting too much stock into the fact that they shot extremely poorly in their first game, just like I'm not putting too much stock into Auburn shooting poorly in their first game. I don't think that this is, for USF, this is a continuum of last year because the fact they're not a good shooting team last year because this is such a different roster than they had uh, last season. So I, I do think this could be a challenging game for Auburn if USF gets their, gets their, gets their shot to fall and Auburn still is struggling with it. But overall, this should be okay. I think, again, with the way this defense is, uh, is playing, I think that'll continue to be good and it'll force USF into some tough looks. And then I, I feel like Auburn's going to shoot the ball better. The defense that USF plays is going to give Auburn the three. You remember that from last year as you watched the game last season. So Auburn's going to have to knock down open shots to win this game. If they do that, it'll be an easy win because you're going to get open looks. You're going to get open threes. Uh, an interesting watch here is uh, USF does have a seven foot, 280-pound center. So how does Janai Broom, Dylan Carwell handle a, a, a bigger and a more physical uh, big man down the post? We'll see, but you also have a chance to kind of make him pay for that too with some of the with some post moves. As far as guys I want to watch in this game, uh, really Alan Flanagan and Yoan Treor neither had the the game that they would like to have in their in the opener. Uh, I know Treor was getting getting uh, worked on a good bit by uh, Bruce. Again, this is his first game, true freshman. Um, he, uh, I guess, I'm not sure exactly what. he. I guess he was not doing some things correctly, not running things correctly. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but he didn't have his best game. He looked good at times, uh, had a really nice uh, turnaround jumper that he almost got to fall. Um, if he can start making those shots, that's going to be really good. So his development is going to be important for this team, and so I'm looking forward to watching him. Uh, in this next game, I want to see him get out on the floor more, get more minutes, and get more comfortable uh, playing for Auburn. Again, he's somebody that's going to improve as the season goes on. As far as Flanagan goes, I thought he did some good things. Again, he always plays good defense. Uh, I thought he got to the basket fairly well. He was not super aggressive, didn't take a ton of shots in this game. i like to see him be more involved offensively. So that's something uh, I'll be keeping an eye on in, in this game for uh, for Auburn. But overall, I really just want to to see this team shoot better and uh, play with play with lots of energy like they like they always do. Again, it's gonna be a Friday night in the jungle. It is going to be a absolutely uh, wild environment, um, and um, I'm 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 looking forward to to seeing how this how this team plays. Again, there's a as far as the basketball schedule is looking like Auburn plays again again tomorrow night, and then they play again Tuesday. And then I want to say the next Friday, and then they'll head to, to Cancun for a tournament over Thanksgiving break um, there. So uh, a lot to look forward to, a lot of Auburn basketball uh, to look forward to. Auburn's uh, women's uh, basketball team also opened up the season on Tuesday night. They came away with, uh, with a win in that one. So hopefully uh, Johnny Harris and, and crew can uh, get things going. She uh, Obviously, I think she's a tremendous coach. She, you know, this Auburn women's basketball program was not in a good spot when when she came in, and she's trying to build it back up. She's recruiting well. I think they've got a better roster this season, so it's going to be fun to to, to see how this team uh, shakes out this season 
um, uh, for Auburn uh, women's basketball. So with that, we'll we'll wrap up the uh, basketball uh, preview and recap that we that we did. We'll move on back to Auburn football after the break. We're going to preview the Texas A&M game. What is it going to take for Auburn to uh, get the win in this game? We'll look at that, look at the keys, look at the matchups to watch. So stay tuned here. We'll be right back. If you've been working. Station. Welcome back now as we enter segment three here of Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So Texas A&M, let's just, before we dive into like a preview of this game, let's just talk about Texas A&M for a minute. Now, I'll preface this with the fact that I really have a disdain for for uh, Jimbo Fisher. Don't like him at all. I know that he coached at Auburn. I know there's some Auburn folks that, that like him and for a long time and wish, you know, that he, he would become the Auburn head coach. I'm certainly glad that uh, he is not, and I hope that he never is. He's in some hot water at A&M. Again, I, I really don't see how you can fire him. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. But they dropped a ton of money in order to keep him from going to LSU, even though I don't think that was going to happen anyways. It was Brian Kelly all the time there at LSU, but A&M got scared, similar to how Auburn got scared about Gus Malzahn going to, to Arkansas. And instead of dropping seven years, $49 million, though, they dropped nearly $100 million uh, on Jimbo Fisher. So, no, I do not expect him to be fired even if A&M loses this game this weekend and falls to to three and, and seven, or, or I think, yeah, that, I think they will fall to three and seven with the loss. Uh, but it has been a woof, woefully underachieving Texas A&M team this season. Uh, obviously, they had the number one recruiting class in the country. But it's not just that is the reason this has been such a disappointing year. They've recruited well year in and year, year out. And when you're in year five, there is no such thing as a rebuilding year. It's just not. You don't have that excuse now in college football, especially especially uh, at somewhere like Texas A&M and especially with the transfer portal. And when you, when you, you think about a school like a, you know, a, a Wake Forest or, a, you know, or some, you know, somewhere out there like a, in the in the Big 12, like a, you know, a, um, a Kansas State or something, it's like, okay, every, you know, every four years, like when I've got a veteran team, I think of Syracuse, you know, this is, this is the year where, you know, I, I can make some noise because you don't have the money, you don't have the resources, things things like that. You don't have that excuse at A&M. You've got all, everything you could want and more to be competing at a championship level year in and year out. I know there's been some injuries this year for A&M. I, I, I know the quarterback situation didn't quite pan out as, as, as you had hoped. I, I know this, there, and that excuse left and right. It doesn't matter. There's no reason that this A&M team should be like they are with the talent they have on that roster uh, Jimbo Fisher's got to evolve offensively. I would not be surprised if he was you know, forced to to give up play calling and hire an offensive coordinator and bring in a different offensive system But because the way of offense is uh, not working anymore. he The game has evolved, and similar to Gus Malzahn in this, although they run different offenses, he's refused to evolve as well, and the game has evolved past him because of that. And... I really, I really do think that there will be some people that, after the season ends, that say, "Hey, look, you got to do something different here offensively. You can continue to coach quarterbacks. You can continue to have a little say in it. If you're not going to hire an OC, though, you at least got to change your system. It's not going to be easy for somebody like you know Jimbo Fisher with the pride that he has to do that. But I don't, I don't think there's going to be a choice for him um, because of uh, 
the I could be wrong. The 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 boosters and other people in power at A and M they may not get involved. I just feel like they're they're somebody's going to say something to him and essentially force his hand on that. Again, that's pure speculation on my end. I don't know that uh, for for a fact, but I think that will be the case. But looking at this game, like I said, though A and M very talented. They're a more talented team than Auburn. Period. End of story. They've also been a more talented team than pretty much everybody they played this year. Um, even maybe more talented than Alabama. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily go there, but, I mean, you, you could make the argument, yet they've only won three games. So talent only takes you so far. You know, there's the there's the saying that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily the A&M players aren't working hard as much as I think it's more on the coaching, not putting them in the best situations to win. But this, this A&M defense, if there have been a positive this year, it's the A&M defense. They are very good. They are really good up front. Uh, they're they're going to be hard to score points on. They've been hard to score points on all year. Don't look at the Florida game. It, don't. It, they had, again, they had like double-digit players out with the flu. So the whole shootout in the Florida game is irrelevant, in my opinion. I watched it. But again, with the with the amount of guys they had out in that game, that that one's completely irrelevant to me as far as way Florida was able to run on on them. So if you think because Florida ran on them like that, that Auburn's going to be able to, I I, I would say you know maybe uh, tamper those expectations a little bit because of the the um the, the issues that A and M had to deal with with the flu. Auburn's also having some flu issues this week. Um, I know that. Cadillac Williams said that. Hopefully, it's not too big. Hopefully, everybody's good to go on Saturday. That is something to keep an eye on. But if Auburn's going to have success in this game, they're going to have to figure out how to run the football well, like I said, against a very talented um, Texas A&M front. Texas A&M's D-line is going to be more physical. Uh, they're going to be stronger. They're going to be faster than Auburn's offensive line. That doesn't mean, though, that Auburn can't run the ball with success. You have to find schemes that work to your uh, strength. Whether it seems to be the zone scheme is more effective for Auburn this year, so if that's the case, do it. Also, have to mention Austin Troxel uh, out for the year, uh, starting tackle out. Well, his career is over. Um, I just want to take a moment to to talk about him. You know, uh, a lot of fans have been critical of him. Um, but the dude gave everything he had to this Auburn football program. Had three ACL tears and was still playing this season. Then he got injured against Mississippi State. So he, his Auburn career, his football career, everything is over. So I certainly feel for him. Hate that he did not get to, to finish it out. And so he's a uh, great Auburn man. Gave everything he had to this university and this football program. And so I wish him nothing but the best going forward in, in life. And I wish him a, a, a speedy recovery. He will be out, so that is a loss for Auburn. Coffee will move into that other tackle spot. At least that's my expectation. He did not play well when Troxel um, missed a game a couple weeks ago, so he's going to have to put his big boy pants on, and he's going to have to bring it uh, against this A&M uh, defense, and especially in the pass rush, man. I think it's Shamar Stewart, the five-star uh, freshman for A&M, great uh Great uh, pass rusher. He's going to be tough to deal with. Auburn's probably going to have to double him and chip him uh, when he comes in, in this game. But as far as the keys for how to attack, again, like like I was just saying, focus on yourself. Uh, I've said that for the last couple of weeks. That's all that matters. Do quit worrying so much about the other team. Do what you do. Just try to execute your offense, your run game to the highest level. Know your assignments. Make your assignments. And again, try to hit some deep shots. Try to get this defense to back up. They're going to load the box like everyone else has. 
but you've seen that she'll have been able to have success even when defenses do that. And you have and you've had opportunities to hit these big shots, just uh Robbie Ashford hasn't been able to. So Robbie Ashford's going to need to be able to hit some big shots. Not five or six, one or two. One or two just to, to make the defense respect you a little bit. And then also hit the checkdowns. Be able to hit Tank Bigsby when he's five yards away from you. Don't overthrow him by 15 yards. It's really not that hard of a pass. Uh, I know I don't, I don't play quarterback. I know I'm not playing quarterback in the SEC. But he can make that pass. Uh, he just got to settle down and, and do it. That's going to be important to, to be able to get somebody like Tank or Jarquez involved in the passing game. So those passes need to be able to be hit. And then continue to let Robbie use his legs in the run game. I, I thought I, I you know wondered you got a running quarterback and yet we we're not letting him use his legs on call plays. Obviously he was using his legs when things broke down. But last week I thought Wilfred finally went back to the playbook, went back to some of those plays that had been run earlier in the season, uh, where uh, Robbie was you know some of the design runs called for him. So it was nice to see that continue to do that, continue to call plays. Uh, to where he's running the football, uh, build that confidence up for him. And then again, uh, Robbie's going to have to make plays when things break down. The scram- He's going to have to scramble. Uh, there are times where you can see the Mississippi State defense coordinator just putting his head down and you know shaking his head because Mississippi State had done everything right, but Robbie was able to extend plays. He's going to need to be able to do that uh, again uh, this week. Uh, he's going to have to play a better game, period, point blank. He's going to have to play a better game than he did last week if Auburn's going to win it. Last time um, he was at home, he, he played pretty solid. The Arkansas game, he actually played really well. So my hope is getting back in Jordan-Hare Stadium will give him that boost of confidence and that he'll have a really good game uh, this week. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward uh, to watching him and seeing how this offense is going to click now with a full week of preparation for Will Friend and Ike Hilliard as co-OCs in this offense. As far as A&M's offense, also throw out what you saw last weekend. Uh Connor uh, Wigman is going to be a starter, true freshman for Texas A&M. Haynes King was the starter beginning of the season, lost a job to Max Johnson. Max Johnson got hurt. Haynes King come, became the quarterback again. He struggled. Connor uh, Wigman, the true freshman, one of the top quarterbacks in the country in last year's recruiting class, took over the job. Then he was out with the flu this past week, so Haynes King had to play again. Can you keep up? And that would tell you exactly all you need to know about why this has been such a disastrous year uh, for Texas A&M. But Connor Wideman is a very talented quarterback. Uh, he's a excellent passer, but he's a true freshman. He has played on the road. I want to say he played some in the Alabama game. But this is his first true road SEC start. I really think Jordan Hare can get to him. I, I, I think that that he he can be disturbed. I think this offense can be disturbed into some penalties because of the crowd. I'm really banking on this this road environment getting to him. But again, he can make some impressive throws. Has a outstanding arm. Doesn't like to run. He wants to stay in the pocket. So this Auburn defensive line needs to pin its ear, ears back and get to the passer. Get pass rush. It's key every week. It's going to be key again this week. They've got some really good. Um, Wide receivers, Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad. Uh, these Auburn, this Auburn secondary is going to have to step up and play well. Hopefully, Donovan Kaufman is back this week. He was out last weekend. You saw a lot of young guys play. I think that will continue to stay the same, trying to keep guys fresh in the secondary. Overall, though, this AM offense is not good. They're not. Weidman's a better quarterback, but he, again, like I said, he's a freshman. He's going to make mistakes. 
Their offensive line is not like it has been in the past. But Devon A. Chain, their running back, scares me. Uh, and I know that he scares his staff when they've been watching film on him uh, this past week. He's hard to tackle. He is so quick and so explosive. I mean, you can think you have him down and boom, he's, he, he's to the house in no time. Absolutely. I mean, I've got three stars written down here by his name. Auburn has to contain him. They absolutely have to contain him. A&M only averages 106 yards per game rushing. That's such a misleading stat. I really don't know how that's possible because of A-Chain and the athlete that he is. Because It seems like he just goes for 200, 300 yards a game uh, each and every week. They'll also get him involved in the passing game, and that could be why you know his stats would probably be higher as far as yards per game than maybe even the, the rushing yards per game for, for, for A&M. But again, everything begins and ends with this run game. So this Auburn... Uh, defense going to have to wrap up. Swarm to the football because A-Chain is not going to go down easy, and you'll think you have him wrapped up, and boom, he's gone. So make sure to stop him. If this Auburn defense can stop this run uh, run game, then they can win this football game. But that's going to be crucial. And then force Connor Rodman to make freshman mistakes. You know, disguise some coverages if you're Jeff Smetting. Try to confuse him a little bit. He's smart, though. I'll, I'll give him that. He he is a very smart, a very mature uh, freshman quarterback, but still doesn't mean he can't make mistakes. And then the overall key in this game, special teams has to be better. It was atrocious. Uh, Cornell knows that. Uh, the players know that. That has to improve. You know, it's shocking to me that Andres Carlson can't kick it through the end zone anymore. It, it goes to show you how much the, the knee injury, even though it was on the non-kicking leg, has affected his ability to really get power into his kicks on kickoffs. So I'm not sure if they're going to look at somebody else to do kickoffs this week or if they're going to stick with what they did. But it doesn't need to be pooch kicks. And, it, and it, you know, either you keep kicking it short and you just cover it better or you put somebody else in there to kick uh, kickoffs that can kick it through the end zone. But that has to improve. Obviously, the whole ordeal of the onside kick that wasn't even intentionally an onside kick, uh, that was a mess. Special teams has to improve. And uh, I believe it will, though. Those are simple fixes that this team and this coaching staff can make. I believe they'll make them, and I've got confidence in the staff to be able uh, to do that and get things rocking and rolling. So that concludes my preview. I'll go into the prediction to finish out the show. Um, But when we come back, we will get back to game predictions for around the country because all the Auburn news we had last weekend didn't get to do that. So I'm looking forward to to dropping some picks. Final segment of Talking Tumors here on this Thursday afternoon. So let's start out with LSU at Arkansas. LSU controls their own destiny to win the SEC West. Who would have thought? If you had told me this when I was watching Auburn play LSU uh, just back about a month ago, I I would have laughed. But man, what a job Brian Kelly has done. You can't help but applaud him and just compliment him uh, all day long because... You talk about a team that has improved from each, and that has improved each and every week. I mean, they've gotten better each and every week, and that is so impressive. Uh, and that truly is coaching. When you see a team improve like they have, see a quarterback improve like Jaden Daniels has, you you got to tip your hat to him and say that man can coach. And there's a lot of question marks, including um, me. Um, I questioned the the hire there with 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 Brian Kelly, but man, it it, it seems like it's going to be it's going to work out perfectly. If you're a great coach, you're a great coach, period, in the story. I do think fit matters. I've said that, but he fits just fine down there in Baton Rouge, 
and uh, he's doing uh, a, a phenomenal job. But, again, they still need to win these last few games. they got two SEC games remaining at Arkansas and at Texas A&M. Neither team is, is, is great, but there could be a slip-up. Arkansas especially has not looked good coming off a loss to Liberty. Uh, and upset there, uh, that was uh, a tough loss for them. Obviously, Auburn fans after that were, were uh, big fired up about Hugh Freeze because that was a big win for him there at, at Liberty. But, but anyways, to this game, I, I'm, I'm a little scared if I'm an LSU fan. Again, this is rivalry game for the Golden Boot going to Arkansas, coming off of you know, a historic win against Alabama. This is your, your typical trap game. But you know what's at stake. You know that you control your own destiny to win the SEC West now. I, I think that Brian Kelly's going to have this team locked in. I don't think they're going to get distracted because of what they know they're playing for. Because they lose this game and Ole Miss wins their game against Alabama, then, then Ole Miss looks like they're headed to Atlanta. So it's very, very important for LSU to get this win uh, at Arkansas uh, this weekend to hold off Ole Miss or Alabama, depending on whoever wins um, their their game this weekend that we're about to pick here in a second. So I like LSU. Again, I think Arkansas is good enough to keep this game close, though. So LSU, I think the line is two. I would take LSU probably to cover in that one, but not by much more than that. I mean, maybe a touchdown. Um, but anyways, LSU gets it done. Vanderbilt at Kentucky. Man, I, I again, I want Kentucky, uh, Vanderbilt to get their SEC first SEC win. I really do. Been pulling hard for them. I just don't think it's going to come against Kentucky, a Kentucky team that's really kind of been a little disappointing this year. Really thought they were a uh, a better team than they are. Again, they're not a bad team. I think they're still ranked in the top twenty-five in the college football playoff rankings. But a team that I thought was going to be better than they've been this year. Uh, but their offensive line has really been the reason why that is. Uh, not the typical Kentucky offensive lines that you've seen in the past. Uh, they're, they're okay, at, maybe, at best. I mean, they're really pretty poor uh, up front. But it'll be enough to get the win at home against Vanderbilt. Maybe Vanderbilt can, can keep it close for a little bit. If Vanderbilt keeps it close, though, late into the fourth quarter, you never know what can happen. Uh, Missouri, really, you can make the argument, should have beaten Kentucky last weekend, had a same kind of call that happened to Auburn earlier in the season with the, the roughing the punter when it was a bad snap. Um, it's the right call by the rule. The rule's a problem uh, there. But anyways, Kentucky held on to that one. I think they'll win this one against Vanderbilt. Bama at Ole Miss. So let's just talk about Alabama for a second. I know this is an Auburn show, and it's easy just to, 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 to be biased and just blast them. That's not who I am. That's not uh, – I like to look at things and try to – Try to take my bias out of it the best I can and give a, an, an, an injected perspective on this Alabama situation. We've seen time and time again this trend for the last two years, minus uh, a, you know the exception here and there just because you're playing a really bad team, that Alabama struggled on the road. And they've been an undisciplined team. That's for two years. They have struggled with penalties for two years, and they've been – poor on the road for two years they've been undisciplined now for two years I can't tell you why it is but the blame ultimately it does fall on Nick Saban you can blame it on Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding your Alabama fans and sure they they probably do deserve the blame but ultimately Nick Saban's the head coach he has the power to do something about that if he if he feels like the uh, assistants are the issue and the issue for them playing poorly on the road and they're the issue for the the amount of penalties that they have in in uh in games and 
and the undisciplined way that they're playing, it's just so uncharacteristic, and it's so it's just hard to believe that this is where we're at with Alabama, uh, because it's just not like anything we've ever seen before in the Nick Saban era, and, we, and every time they play on the road, especially, we just don't want it to admit it, that, you know, well, well no, that, that was just a fluke, that was just a fluke, that they, you know, here and there, but we, we got to trust our eyes at some point, like, our, Alabama showed us who they are on the road, but because of the Alabama, because of the uh, the history of Alabama under Nick Saban, we just refuse to to believe our eyes. Like we're seeing it, and there's the proof, but we refuse to believe it. But there's just not a good football team on the road. Um, well, I wouldn't say not a good. They're they're not a next level football team on the road. I'll put it that way. And overall, they're really not even a next level football team this season. Uh, and then I, you know, one of the podcasts I listened to, uh, Josh Pate made a really good point, and I was listening to him uh, earlier this week. And talked about, you know, take out the Georgia game from last year and count that as really just kind of an exception as well. And, man, I mean, Alabama's really has not been good. It, you know, uh, and I think that Georgia game last year, we kind of we, we kind of made everything else the exception and made the Georgia game who a- Alabama actually is, when really that's not the case. Uh, I, I, I'm not saying it's the end of the dynasty. I'm not going to go there. I, I'm just not. I think that's dumb to – to go there, I certainly uh, think you don't go there based on one season or two seasons, or even say at the end of the dynasty because uh, after last season, because they made it, still made it to the college football playoffs despite all these issues. Uh, so I, I'm not dare going there. But based on their history, I think this is going to be a battle this week with Ole Miss. You think, well, no, but it's Bama coming off another loss. Bama coming off a loss. There's no way. But which is going to hold true? Right now. The thing that's been the most consistent is Bama struggles on the road. So will it be that, or will it be Bama coming off a loss is nearly unbeatable? I think Bama's going to win, but I think this is going to be a close game. So I, I'm going to believe my eyes in the fact that I think Bama's going to struggle some and still have the same some same issues that they've been having all year as far as penalties, as far as playing a discipline. I think they'll have some of those same issues. I just think in the end, and the will to win, and due to Ole Miss's roster a little bit, I like Alabama in this game. Ole Miss, I just don't think, has a roster defensively to stop uh, Alabama. I don't think Bryce Young's fully healthy. I really don't. He did not play well last weekend, uh, but he's the only reason they that they have not been a lot worse these last two years, though, uh, record-wise, than they, than they have been. So I like Alabama, but I think it's going to be close. I think Ole Miss will put up a lot of points. I just think Alabama's going to score more. All right, we've got to roll now because I took a while on that one. UCF at Tulane. Uh, ranked on ranked, big game will decide more than likely who's gonna, going to play in a New Year's Six Bowl from the group of five. I think Gus Malzahn, UCF, goes on the road and ruins Tulane's hopes of that. I like UCF. South Carolina at Florida. Florida coming off the big win on the road in college. Station last weekend uh, against Texas A&M. They're back at home. Shane Beamer looking to get a big statement win on the road. But I like Florida in this one in a close one. Georgia at Mississippi State, another classic trap game, if you will. Georgia coming off the huge win against Tennessee. Mississippi State, of course, coming off the barn burner win against Auburn. I think Mississippi State is able to keep this close. We saw Georgia only beat Missouri 26-22 on the road. I think this could be another game that's a little bit dangerous for Georgia, especially everybody hyping them up again because of the big win against Tennessee, as they should be. I think they're the best team in the country as well. 
but I like Mississippi State. Um, excuse me, I like Georgia in this game, but I think it's going to be close. Washington at Oregon, another big Pac-12 matchup as Bo Nix Heisman uh, hopes continue to increase as he continues to play very well out there at Oregon. Washington, a dangerous team, though, uh, having a really uh, pretty good season uh, in DeVore's first year out there at Washington. But I like Oregon in this one, but I think it's going to be a battle in Eugene. TCU at Texas College Game Day will be there for this one. TCU undefeated, ranked number four. Do their college football playoff hopes come crashing to the ground this weekend? I think so. I'm going to agree with Vegas on this one. Texas is a big favorite at home. Uh, I think finally. I just don't see the, the way that TCU has won being able to continue. They continue to come back from behind, which is impressive. That that says a lot about your culture and about the team you have. But eventually, you, you cannot continue to do that. So I like Texas in this one. But... If TCU's got this game at less than a touchdown at halftime, better watch out because they're probably going to come back again. Texas needs to have a big lead at half in this one, and uh, but I believe they will. Let's finish out. Texas A&M at Auburn. I'm picking Auburn. I, it, it's been a while since I picked Auburn, and the, pretty much the only reason I'm doing it is because of what I expect this crowd to be like on Saturday night. It's going to be cold. It's going to be loud. It's sold out. Believe, I mean, this is what tells you how great Auburn is and how much, how uh, good of a decision it was to go ahead and move on for Brian Hartson. The fact that a three-win team uh, is able to sell out um, because of Cadillac Williams and the excitement that he has brought back to this Auburn football program and the hope of the future with John Cohen being brought in. Positive vibes around this program. I, look, A&M's got more talent. A&M should win this game theoretically. But I think Jordan Harris, the difference in this one, the players are going to ball out, give it everything they have. I like Auburn in a close one. So thank you all for tuning in today, um, or whenever you're listening to it, tonight, today, in the morning, middle of the night. I don't know, but I appreciate you all listening on podcasts as well. And we'll be back at our normal time uh, next Friday at 11. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Friday at 11 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.